start out this way. In her personal essay for The New Yorker, author Vic Nguyen shares her world as a Vietnamese immigrant in the United States. Vic, who grew up in Grand Rapids, has spent much of her life navigating the difficulties of being from an immigrant family in America, even changing her given name from the popular Vietnamese Vic to Beth. And here to continue the conversation is Culture Shift's Amanda LeClaire. Welcome. Yeah, thank you, Rob. Uh, we're going to be discussing something that is both so ordinary yet so profoundly personal. Our names, the string of letters that form a sound that represents us both personally, publicly, and legally. It's the thing that will last on official documents like the U.S. Census decades after we die. And even if we do decide to change our names, like our next guest did, will always be a little bit haunted by the identity and heritage of that former self. Author Beth Nguyen's essay is titled, America Ruined My Name For Me. And in it, she deeply considers how much a name contributes to our identity, culture, even the social acceptance we experience in the world. Beth is a professor in the MFA program in creative writing at the University of Wisconsin, and she joins us now. Welcome to Culture Shift, Beth. We got you there? Hi. Yeah. Hi. Yes. Thank you for having me. Hi. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you for being on the show today. Now, this is a this is a really fascinating and important conversation uh, and a very timely essay that you have written for The New Yorker. Uh, we are seeing, uh, again, a rise in hate crimes against Asian Americans uh, in the U.S. Uh, and when you and your family uh, you moved here, moved to the west side of Michigan in the 1980s, that was uh, yet another a uh, period of time when uh, American anger or and, and, and racism against Asian Americans was at a at a high point. So take us into your essay of when you guys got to Michigan. What was it like to be coming into uh, a place like the Midwest uh, from from Vietnam? Well, I was a baby when my family arrived in Michigan as refugees from Vietnam and I grew up you know, in America. I grew up as an American, but I also grew up as a refugee and as a child of refugees. And it was a very different time and place. It was the you know, 70s and then it was mostly the 80s for me. And that was really a time before people talked about identity and the way we talk about it now. It was before Google. It was a time when people who felt isolated you know, were really quite isolated because it was harder to be in touch with others in our community. So when I look back at that time period, I feel the isolation that we experienced. Um, but it was it was certainly a learning experience. And it was a way, you know, it's something that has shaped my whole life and my thinking about what it means to be Asian in America. I mean, it was very, it obviously made a very deep impression on you uh, growing up on the west side of the state, which is which is a little more conservative than other parts of Michigan. Uh, take us into your, you know, attending public schools and what what happened when you had to, you know, confront your Vietnamese name and how people treated you because of that. Well, I think my first uh, my first instances of going to school were also my first instances of experiencing racism. So that, those are some of my earliest memories. So I actually, it sounds kind of bad, but it is just the, the truth that when I think about school, I think about racism. I think about feeling 
very much like an outsider, but also being made to feel like an outsider and not having a, a way, not having a language, not having anyone to turn to, not having any way to sort of deal with it. So because there were no, there were no resources for that and at the time. So I just kept everything to myself as we did back then. And I suspect as many people still do, though I, I hope that they don't. And I hope that they they learn more than than I did when I was a child. It was very difficult. And, um, you know, a lot of it was just me trying to be, you know, cheerful, uh, which I really wasn't. I was quite melancholy. But me trying to not show all of the, I guess, you know, sorrow and even trauma that I was actually feeling and experiencing. So I learned very well how to code switch and how to be a different person at school. I, you know, in this essay for The New Yorker, you, you say something, uh, many things, but one in particular here that uh, just really hits at my heart, uh, that when you're describing your childhood growing up on the west side of the state near Grand Rapids and, and being in school, that you were a shy child who became even shyer. You avoided meeting people so you could avoid saying your name, Bick. And then you say, I took on the shame of not being strong enough to handle the shame of the American gaze. What do you mean by that? Yeah, it's so true. There, it's a question I've asked myself, which is, was I really shy or was I traumatized? In any case, you know, one led to the other and I was, uh, the, the, being traumatized like made me shyer. And so I was, you know, very, very shy child and very self-conscious and, you know, still harbor a lot of those feelings. When, I talk, when I'm talking about the American gaze, I'm talking about the ways in which you know, I was always looked at as a representative of some sort of Asian identity. And it, it, it fluctuated, you know, there were people expected me to be quiet and meek. Um, I was super shy, so I usually was quiet. Um, at the same time, you know, having a difficult name, like Bic, people would expect me to, you know, inhabit that. They're sort of like, you know, be proud of your name. And, you know, feel this way about your name, feel that way, or the opposite, be super ashamed of your name, be super ashamed of who you are and where your family has come from and all of that. So I was always, you know, feeling people's projections of their American, usually sort of like the American white gaze onto what I, what they thought I should be or what I should uh, experience or look like. And that's some of what I'm getting at when I talk about the, the shame of the American gaze, which is a, is a gaze that makes people want to um, deal with that shame. You know, it's like, I felt shame not because I should have felt shame. I felt shame because people told me that I should be. Uh, you know, when uh, you shared this article with the public, uh, you mentioned that this essay was nearly eight years in the making. Uh, from the time you started thinking about writing it to, you know, writing it itself and then now publishing it, uh, what made you feel like this was the time to share your story? I was working on this yeah, for years and in very different forms. When I gave this you know, when I sent this in, it was last year, maybe it was even before then, and it was twice as long as <laughs> the essay that appears in The New Yorker. 
it was long. It was different. It went through so much revision, necessary revision. And it's just something I've been working through, this idea of naming and how our, our identity is attached to names. And it's still something that comes up all the time. I mean, I think it's, I thought it was really kind of funny that the introduction to this show, you know, I was, I was introduced as Bick rather than as Beth. You know, when I clearly say that it's, Beth is a name I go by, I think it's also universal in a way, kind of a universal experience because so many people, regardless of, you know, their background, um, have interesting and often traumatizing experiences with uh, names or being, you know, misnamed and so on. So I think that was, you know, that's been part of our cultural and national conversation. But for me, it's, it cannot be untied from being a Vietnamese person uh, and t- untied from being an Asian person in America. And it just, you know, it just happened that it came out now, but I had been, it had been underway at The New Yorker for months. All right, so let's take us into the, the uh, again, in the essay, when you, the moment you decide to say your name is Beth, you're buying a coffee. Uh, was it at Starbucks or Shake Shack in Madison Square, I believe? Uh, and it just, yeah. it just, the name Beth just, just came out. It hadn't been, hadn't been something you thought about, right? That's right. It's, it was, I remember the moment so vividly. It was summertime and, and I remember the woman, you know, asking me my name because they always, I don't know if they do that anymore there, but they would always uh, call up people's names. And, I don't know why, but all of a sudden I just said that name. And the moment I said it, I felt legitimate. I was like, oh, that is it. That's it. That's a name. And her reaction was just so, you know, she was she didn't care. <laughs> she didn't just say, is that really your name? <laughs> Nobody cares, actually. So there's something about that moment that stayed with me as a way to create a sense of permission for myself, like legitimacy for myself that, oh, yeah, I can do this. Anybody can do this. We just start at one place, and for me, that was starting at the Shake Shack. Did you when you uh, when you uh, you know said your name was Beth, and then began to use that uh, after that experience? Did you feel an, a shift internally, and in, in how you how the world looked at you, or how you felt you were represented in the world in the U.S. specifically? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, I I never hesitated to introduce myself after that. You know, I I would never had to worry about people having a look on their face or asking me all these follow-up questions that they always used to ask, you know, when I would introduce myself as Beck, nobody ever questioned Beth. Nobody ever said, oh, yeah, where are you from? Or all the other, you know, like sort of soft racist kind of questions that come usually after I introduce myself as Beck. And, you know, it was just so much easier. And it just showed me how, it showed me in a very painful way how people saw me before and how people who aren't Asian very often look at Asian people as perpetual foreigners. You, you also write about it in the essay, uh, when you were a child, uh, other children that you knew of um, Asian American immigrants, they were allowed to change their names at school at least. They could be their given name at home and a different, uh, more westernized name at school and how that made it easier, easier for them. Now that you're an adult, what does your what does your family feel about the about this name change? Are they are they now supportive given everything that's going on? You know, my family is very progressive, and that was one of the reasons why 
I wasn't allowed to change my name is because they were very politically progressive, and I totally see their point. I mean, they I mean they obviously know about my going by Beth. They don't call me Beth. I mean, they call me by my given name, and they're the only people I allow to call me by my given name. You know what I mean? So I that's because they're my family, and that makes sense to me. But yeah, no, nobody else really, and that's I think one of the one of the sort of almost joyful things that I realized when I was writing this, which is that we get to we get to have a choice <laughs> and we get to decide how we want to be called. And if people, you know, are really our friends or if they really love us or they really support us, they respect that. And that, you know, I'm not the one who gets to say how my my sister or my friend or my colleague is called. They tell me and I respect their wishes. And that's, you know, when I see that happening, you know, for myself, it feels so, you know, generous and kind, but it just really is just the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, it sounds like really it's a point of power to, you know, declare to people who you are. And if that includes a name change, then that is part of it. So I, one last question for you. In retrospect, uh, was there a specific person, a reader that you had in mind when you were penning this essay? I love that question, and because sometimes there is, but not really because I I truly wrote this for myself, and I actually think that is one of the most important aspects to keep in mind when people are writing is that they have to have a reason connected to uh, their own journey, basically their own purposes and needs, uh, rather than thinking about audience all the time, and that's why I've worked on it for so long. It wasn't to give to other people. It really was to work through something and explain it to myself. And, you know, with any luck, other people would find it useful. And um, and I'm really honored that if anybody has. Well, it is a beautiful essay. Uh, folks will be able to find it at our Twitter page, a link to it, at DET Culture Shift. We've been speaking to author Beth Nguyen, who uh, just wrote a, pes- uh, a pendant essay for The New Yorker called America Ruined My Name for Me. Beth, uh, any other publications you have on the way you'd like to let people know about? I am working on my next book. It's a memoir called Owner of a Lonely Heart. All right, wonderful. Thank you so much for being on Culture Shift today. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.